youth group, we're going to have a huge youth group. Amen? Wow. Now we have seats. Woo! Anybody been praying this week? Good. Keep praying. Nothing happens without prayer. If you go to pray and can't, find out why. If you go to pray and you can't pray, find out why. That's the most important thing in your life, that you should be able to pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. I got a serious message today. When I preach a message like this, it's the Word of God. So I'd never apologize for the Word of God, but it's a serious message. And, and um, sometimes a word, it's for everybody, but sometimes um, if the shoe fits, you wear it, right? You know what I mean? If the message is tailored for you, wear it. And if it's not, then you learn from it, take it in, it's the Word of God, and rightly divide it. There have been many people in this church, and Father, I just pray for your grace on me because, Lord, I, I really want to preach what you have for these people. I want to stand before you, Lord, and you look at me, and I know I preach what you wanted me to without fear of man or women. And uh, just help me to preach what you want, no more and no less today. Open our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. How many here have been praying for revival. Just don't lie. If you have been, raise your hand. I see a third maybe of the congregation. I've been praying for revival too, and, and uh, I want to see people get saved. But I don't just want to see people get saved. I want people to be free. It's not enough, and we talked Tuesday, it's not enough just to come to church and you want to be free, amen? Who wants to come down and say a prayer and, and be unchanged? That is not the gospel. Right, Christy? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. In other words, it has power in it to change your life. If you understand and receive it in faith, and the gospel is like a leaven, it'll leaven your whole life and bring salvation to your whole life if you let it. I did not say that you would not have trials, stuff come at you, that things, you know, sometimes... When I gave my life to the Lord, it seemed like everything fell apart. And that's not what they promised, is it? It really did. And I had a battle. I didn't realize, and it took me a long time, it was the devil trying to throw me off my path. <laughs> Satan will do anything he can do to offend you. He will offend you with a blade of grass if you'll let him. He wants the whole church to walk in offense and huffiness. And your enemy's the devil. He's trying to neutralize you, knock you out. But if we stand fast in the word of God, Jesus will bring deliverance in every area of our life. Charlie, you can be in jail, in prison, and be singing a song. You can be in a mansion and be depressed and miserable. Commit suicide. Jump off a bridge. 
They say in 1929, during the Great Depression, many people that had money committed suicide when they lost it all in the stock market. That tells you who they were serving right there. When their money was gone, their hope was gone. I am sure there were Christians that were praising the Lord all the same. Amen? Our success and our victory are really totally wrapped up in Jesus. You know, I believe God wants to bless His people. I teach God wants to bless His people. But you know, Paul talked about in Hebrews 10 that the early church was persecuted and they had their goods confiscated. Anybody ever read that? Yeah. Go in there and read it. They had their goods taken from them, confiscated. And Paul said, don't worry about it because you have in heaven a better and more enduring substance. In other words, they had to make a stand, and that stand was costly. It happened in Russia when communism came into Russia, and you really couldn't be a Christian. Now, you could be a compromising Christian and go to the state church and believe whatever they told you, right, and do whatever the government tells you and do whatever the government says, and you guys can have a form of religion, but no power, no freedom, no deliverance, that's fine. Be religious, nobody cares. In fact, the devil likes religion. The more religion you have, the happier he is. Religion's cruel. But the people in the Russian church that stood up and really believed God and kept preaching the gospel, they found themselves in gulags, they found themselves in prison, they found themselves tortured for Christ. Anybody ever read that book by Richard Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ? They paid a price. It's a great book. These guys, what happened, what's so amazing is the more they persecuted them, and you see this in the scriptures, the more they persecuted them, the more fiery they got. The more everything simplified in their life and they got down to brass tacks. The more that they made a stand and said, I'm standing for eternity and I'm not living for this world, I'm living for eternity, the more fiery the more real Jesus became, the more joy they had, the more peace they had, and the more blessing they had in the presence of the Lord Amen. during persecution. And I'm not saying the Lord wants that, but there are times. And the reason I bring up revival, you're praying for revival. We're in very trying times in this country. And I haven't talked a lot about it since the Trump election. You know, that, thing, that election took me for a spin. I, got, I, I can say a lot, but I'm not going to. I got opinions just like you do. We all got opinions, right? But I haven't changed what I believe and who I believe in and what's going on. But one of the dangers of the church, and I'm talking about we're praying for revival, it is very easy to identify other people's sins, Right? We can easily see, can anybody in this church not see that transgenderism is wrong? That's simple, isn't it? It's pretty obvious. If I started preaching it to you, I'm just preaching to the choir. Now, if someone in this church was struggling with it, actually, I'd want to be kind of gentle like I was with this man named Mary at Walmart. I went up and talked to him about Jesus. In fact, I want to see him again because I want another shot at Mary, whose real name I think is Fred. And my heart broke for that man. It wasn't judgment on him. I, I, I want to tell him about Jesus. You need to get free. Mary, you need to get out of this dress. 
You don't look good in it. So it's very easy in the church to get on that. Or we talk about, you know, we, we, we got things. Who in this church does not believe that abortion is wrong? We know it, right? I could get up here and preach a fiery sermon on abortion. Really probably wouldn't change many of your opinion. Maybe it would. And I do mention these things from time to time. But I'll tell you what. When the pastor gets up and starts preaching on the sins in the church, it's quiet. It's quiet. We'll cheer the sins of others, but our own sins, we get really quiet. And I, and I, I will always stand on the, what the Bible says. I do my best to preach what the Bible says. I will not defend. I had two lesbian ladies at uh, FedEx when I was there as a manager, and they said, Brad, we know that you love us. That's why we're asking you, tell us the truth. Am I going to hell? That's what she said. Ain't that quite a question? Why did she ask me, Charlie? She said, we know you love us. And I told her, I said, Lisa, if you go to hell, it's because you reject Jesus. Right. Now, not that you don't have to give up your sin. Go and sin no more. I had a homosexual guy at Easton. The Lord said, go talk to him. I did. And I started talking to him about Jesus. And he, uh, he, t- he immediately wanted to take me on the topic of his sexual preference. And I said, let's don't go there right now. Tell me what you think about Jesus, because that's going to determine whatever I say to you is going to be determined by what you tell me about. If you tell me Jesus is Lord and you tell me that you believe the Bible is the word of God, now we've got something to talk about. If you tell me you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe in a God, then we got, then I got to go a different direction with you. But my heart, and I met him more than once, and my heart was to see that man saved, never agreed with him but I loved him. That's why it's kind of hard sometimes just to rail. I was in here a month and a half ago. I sat right here, and a homosexual man sat right here, and the Lord told me to talk to him about Jesus. And uh, I did. Because I want to obey God. You can judge me, I don't think you guys do, but anybody could judge me, but I'll tell you what, I want to obey the Lord. And if I do something in this church, if I, I pray about it. I pray. I may be wrong or right, but I pray and I hear from God the best I can and I do what the Lord tells me to do. I pray you're doing that too. And I had a conversation and I think it was uncomfortable for him, but he was a former Christian. And the truth is that he made a decision against the Lord and for the way that he wanted to live. And it was heartbreaking. And he asked me, and I I told him, I said, here's what I know. Talking about homosexuality. I said, here's what I know. Jesus died for you. And Jesus loves you. I already told him this lifestyle was not biblical. Jesus died for you. We cannot come at the world. If the message of the gospel is grace, then we cannot come at the world with a club. Now, I'm not saying those of you that are involved in politics, those of you that are involved in school, Charlie, you mentioned you should get on the school board. There are, there are places and opportunities for Christians to get in government, to get in and do things and take moral stands. I'm not saying you should not take a moral stand. But when we're dealing with people, our instinct should be the grace of God. 
I want to see you saved. Because judgment is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Judgment, the Bible says that mercy, this is in the book of James, mercy triumphs over judgment. Which tells you God's default position is not judgment. His default position is mercy. But when he stretches forth his hand all day long saying, repent, turn, change your direction, and you don't, the only option you leave for yourself or a country leaves for itself is judgment. Jesus preached for three years, begging, pleading, being honest, saying judgment is coming to the nation of Israel. The book of Matthew is a constant judgment's coming. He told them judgment's coming. And in 70 AD, their nation was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. Just like Jesus said. But he, in Matthew 11, is on a mountain above Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How long must I deal with you? He said, I'm like a, you're, I'm like a hen, brooding hen. I, I want to take you up under my wings and protect you, but you won't let me. You won't let me. I had a dream one time. I had been fasting. I was praying. I said, God, I don't understand why people die of cancer and why people, this happens to young people and this happens, these different things. And, and I had a dream. And in my dream, I had a cat, Manu. Anybody ever know Manu? Maybe a couple of you knew Manu, sweet little cat. We got a little plot in the side of our house with a little cross and a can of cat food right there. Don't touch it. That belongs to Manu. <laughs> kind of like a happy hunting ground there for Manu. We loved him. We got, someone gave Manu to us in a life group. Had fleas all over him. He was ready to die. and We saved him, didn't we? Anyway, so, that's, so God gave me a dream about Manu. And he said, I've been fasting and asking him. And in this dream... I had Manu in my arms, and I'm holding Manu. I got him tight, and I'm protecting him, and I'm holding him. And then there's about three lions come out, and they start running, and they go by a fire department. And this isn't a makeup. This was a spiritual dream. I don't know how many dreams I've had that are truly spiritual, maybe just a handful, but this was truly a spiritual dream. And these lions, and they go by the fire department, and the fire department cannot help Manu right? It's impossible. But as long, and I knew in my dream, as long as I have a hold of Manu, those lions can't get him. And then out of nowhere, I got him safe. He's safe. That lion is not going to get to me. And out of nowhere, Manu jumped out of my arms and my heart started pounding. And Manu ran right after the lions and they tore him up in my dream. And, but it was, when they tore him up, it was like a flash and I woke up like, Manu! And the Lord said, Brad, that's me. I'm you. People are Manu. And as long as they walk in me and stay under my covering and stay under my protection, my purposes, plans, and will will be done in their life. But when they jump ship... There's a devil out there that wants to devour them, and he will. God will do everything in his power 
to protect even people outside, everything he can do providentially, but there comes a time when that hand's off and, the, and you're going to be devoured. I know because all the negative things in my life, the things that have really hurt me and things I'm still dealing with, some things in my life I'm still dealing with today are a result of mistakes I made I'm 63 when I was 20 years old. Do you know that? There's still things in my life. Now, don't, God has forgiven me. There's been great blessings, but I still have to deal with things in my life that I unearthed when I was 20. God is redemptive. I am believing Him for total redemption. But some things take a little time. You make a mess, and then, you know, it isn't always presto changeo. That's why I keep warning kids all the time. Don't do the things that your parents did, most of them. Don't do the things that some of us did. Do it right. Don't sleep with your boyfriend. Don't jump in bed with everybody. You're going to hurt. You're going to ruin your marriage before it even starts. You're going to get off on a bad path right from the beginning. Why don't you honor her, man, young man? Why don't you honor your girlfriend and keep your hands off of her? Why don't you honor yourself, young lady, and don't let them touch you? Amen? Because you're going to ruin things. God's not a fuddy-duddy and a spoiled sport. He's trying to help you. People that do things God's way, they're blessed for it. It's just true. And everything that comes in your life isn't God. When you open the door, the devil will get in there. and He'll mess things up, even though God will still do everything he can to help you. Someone say amen. It's true. So I know our nation is in this situation. I have way more I could talk about about our nation. Our financial system is crooked. Well, okay, I won't talk about Bitcoin because I like, okay, that's a tangent. Our financial system is so crooked. The reason that I paid twice as much yesterday for Watts as I did about a year and a half ago, and I did for a cheeseburger, was because they've been printing money. That's why you got inflation. Don't let them lie to you. They print money. That's what inflation comes from. You can't just print money. And do you know who gets most of the profit when they print the money? Do you know who gets it? The rich. They're in cahoots. Look in who profited from it. Just look who got all the money from it. They bail out banks when banks make the most ridiculous mistakes. And that money goes to the taxpayer, which is, in other words, you are subsidizing the rich. You are. But you're not going to. It's going to be your great-grandkids because we're $31 trillion in debt. Your great-grandkids are going to have to pay for that in their taxes. And it's crooked, but I can't talk about that right now. <laughs> there is so much corruption in our politics. I'm going to tap this and get off of it because I'm a preacher of the gospel. The media has been lying to you about so many things. Maybe some of it's true. So many things. Do you remember, and I'll touch this, Jeff, and I promise I'll get off of it. Do you remember when all these CIA and all these people came out and they said this was Brennan and because they're the ones that said it and the other guy, Clapper. And they said that the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russia conspiracy hoax. Remember that? Well, now they know 100% it wasn't. In fact, I heard that Hunter is suing the people that took his laptop. 
So he's owning it himself. There was 50 of them and they lied to you and some of you believed them. And they lie like that all the time. Now I'm not here, you, you better vote who, for who God, not who you want. You better vote for who God wants you to vote for. Not that that even will change something. Who knows, right? You better pray. You better vote. But I'm telling you, and they lied about more than that, and I can't even get into it. That's not the purpose. I'm saying there's so much corruption, and the corruption's everywhere. This whole thing of what they're trying to train our kids in schools. And I, I think Utica's a pretty good school. I don't necessarily know everything that's going on there. But the more and more inroads that these agendas get, the more they're going to say, you can't have money unless you teach it like we want you to teach it. Amen? So these are, and this is the culture, this is the culture that we're living in. So it would be easy to get up here every Sunday and rail on it. But I'm not going to get up and rail on it every Sunday. I'll probably touch it again for the election. But what I'm going to do, let me read my scripture, and then I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because, guys, the people that can change things and turn this nation around are in this room and all across the churches in this country. When the word says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and I will heal their land, that promise is good for today as it was yesterday. And in the face of that, some of you don't ever pray. I said, the one thing the Lord told me at the end of last year in Luke 18, 1, is we ought to pray and don't quit. That Russian church was praying when they were in the, they were loving their enemies. They were witnessing to their captors. They were preaching the gospel to their leaders. They were on fire for Jesus. They had a passion. They were preaching to atheists. They weren't hating them. They were preaching the gospel to them. They were preaching to the communists. They were getting beaten and thrown in jail, preaching Jesus on their lips. Amen, because that's what love does. I don't want to fight with any. I want to tell them about Jesus. And the people in this room and all across this nation that call on the name of the Lord are the people that can make a difference because we are priests unto God. And the fact that you and I are priests means that our prayers can make a difference. That means you can pray your kids right out of hell. Nobody has authority over your children in prayer like you do. If your kids need prayer, you don't need to go get 10 people to pray. If your life gets right with God and you get honest with God, you can pray for your kids. And I may ask you to pray for my kids. But I know I am going to pray for my kids. And I am standing on the word of God. And then it's not always roses in that department for me. It's not. You don't even know. But I'm not letting go. I've had family members come at me so hard and go into my closet and bless them and call them saved, call them redeemed, call them righteous, pray, pray to God for their calling, and I won't stop doing it. I don't get huffy with them. When I do, I have to repent immediately. I had a fight with my son once. This was a while back. And I got in my flesh. You think I did any good? Did a whole bunch of no good. And I had to tell him I was sorry. And my tactic is, no matter what someone does to me or my family, I am going into my prayer closet and I'm calling them saved. I'm going to look the devil right in the eye. Now, parents, you might need to whip your kids if they're young. 
I'm not telling you don't spank them. When, when they get older, it, you, you just got to pray for them. If they listen, talk to them. Most kids, if they're giving you trouble, they don't listen to you. And you can't, if they don't listen to you, then you better pray. But if they're little, you better spank them. Oh, Jesus. Jeff, stay on, stay on target, Brad. Stay on target. I'm going to start with verse 7 in, in 1 Peter, and I'm going to read a little bit, and I want to get to my point. The people that can turn this country around are in this room, that can turn your family around, that can turn your... You may have to stand in the... Jesus told an early church, he said, you, the devil is going to throw some of you in prison for 10 days. I thought the devil didn't have any power over me. How is the devil going to throw me in prison? It's probably the Roman government. That's what a lot of that letter is about. You know, the Bible says that as a Christian, you'll be persecuted. Did you know that? Anybody that lives godly will be persecuted. You will be. You can just take it to the bank unless you're quiet all the time. You're going to be pers- People will misunderstand you. They'll talk about you. They'll malign you. And the devil will throw some of you in prison <clears throat> for 10 days. He's, 10 days is the number of completeness. Write that down in your rightly dividing the word. Tuesday nighters, 10 means complete with God. 10 days, that means when the trial was done, when the trial was complete, when everything's been satisfied, you got a resurrection in your life scheduled. God's going to resurrect you. He's going to justify you. He's going to raise you up. He's going to vindicate you. He is going to, just like he did everybody else in the Bible, including Jesus, when he raised him from the dead. He will vindicate you. Be faithful for 10 days. Don't give up. If you give up, I don't want to say to you, God's merciful. I believe he'll forgive you. You're going to lose out on your blessing. You're going to lose out on your blessing. God is in this thing. The Lord showed me recently, and all I could preach and preach, April, I got so much. I got five sermons running in me right now, and I can't preach them all. Lord told me recently, and I just saw it in the Word. Everything I believe, I believe because I see it in the Word. He said, Brad, Christians are always tested. You've been tested and you're being tested. I had a year, a year, last year, and I was telling Sonny this this morning, seemed like the Lord just grounded me to powder. Just grounded me to powder. You say, the devil? No, the Lord. He was, he was examining my heart. And what was in my heart? What's my motive? What's in my heart? Why am I doing things? How am I reacting to people? Am I really forgiving? Am I really loving my enemies? Am I pure? What are my relationships based on? Men, am I flirty? Do I do things because of ego? Why am I doing Is this ego? He ground me, just grinding my motives. The word of God searching my heart. And I go in and say, Lord, you know, I want to pray. And he says, but first, Brad... I want to talk about this. Boom, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I love my relationship with the Lord. The whole time I'm in this process of Him, the Bible says the Word of God searches your intentions and your motives. If you are not exactly like Jesus right now, and I don't think anybody is, then until you die, the Word of God is going to be in your heart, changing you, renewing your mind, bringing you to repentance. Until you're walking on water, the word of, you're, that's going to be going on in your life. The Word of God is going to get in there. It's going to examine your motives, your reasons, your purposes, if you let it. 
It get in there and shine the light in there, in your mind. Your spirit's saved. I know that. You're born again. I know that. I know it as well as anybody. The righteousness of God is in you, but the Lord is transforming your mind and your actions and your motives and all these things by the word. He wants you to be holy because <clears throat> he's holy. That's why. Why? Why does God want me to be holy? Because Mikey Bond, you're a chip off the old block. And he, because he's holy, he wants you to be holy. A lot of things in your life God's going to be chipping away at, Mike. You, you, he is. He already is. I know. God's a hard worker. Amen. <laughs> you got a lot to work with, right? I did too, and I do. You got to let him. If you thwart the process, you won't grow and you won't change. Sometimes it's painful. Had a person talk to me recently about having tough conversations and talking to people, and, you know, and, and most people. When you correct them or you say something in church, they run and they bolt. Because you touch something that's real in their heart and they run. And they will not let God in there. You can run, it'll find you again. And it'll find you again. And it'll find you again until God deals with it. If you leave one church, it'll meet you at the next. If you, lose, if you do it in one marriage, <clears throat> it'll meet you at the next marriage. If you forget one kid, it'll meet you at your next kid. It'll be there waiting until you look the Lord in the eye and your judgment day honest and say, Lord, I need to change. Amen? Well, the good news is, guys, the whole time I'm praying and in this process, the Lord's loving me, answering prayers, being good to me, talking with me, doing stuff together working with me, teaching me the word, being patient with me like a good dad. He's patient with me. But a good dad will discipline you. Okay, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You are going to have fiery trials, and it is not a strange thing. It's normal in the Christian life. You're going to have trials, and they're normal. Everybody gets them. I get them. You get them. We all get them. Jesus had them. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Whose sufferings are you partaking of? Christ. Why is that? Because you're no longer swimming downstream. You're no longer swimming downstream. All you have to do to stop the trial is just quit swimming with the Lord and just start floating with, go with the flow. Just start going with the flow. And the trials, most of the time, they just end. Except for your heavenly Father may come in and discipline you. But the world's going to take off. They're going to take their hands right off of you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Okay, so if you feel like you're being picked on, and someone's being hard on you, and they're not being fair to you, James says it, Paul says it, Jesus says it, and now... Peter says it, 
rejoice because you are living like Jesus. You're living like Jesus. They crucified him. I don't want to say welcome to the club. You can't live godly in this world. If they crucify Jesus, they're going to come after you. And if you're going through suffering and trial, Jesus loves you. These things he's going to work out. He will vindicate you. He will cause you to rise up. He will bring you through it. But the word says rejoice. That's the opposite of your natural reaction. My natural reaction is to fight with my son, right? That's not supernatural, that's natural. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, yeah, he's blasphemed. But on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer. Amen, got any murderers in here today? Anybody hate, got hate in your heart? busybody and other people's matters, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him, let her not be ashamed. So if you're suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but glorify God in the matter. Do you see it? Glorify God in it. And here's why. Here's one huge reason, and it works, it works every single time. When you glorify God, and I have the whole Bible to back me up on this, when you glorify God in your trial, God is going to bring some glory on you. God is going to deliver you from Egypt. God's going to deliver you from Pharaoh. God is going to vindicate you. And God, if you die for the gospel, Justin, God is going to raise you from the dead. And you're going to stand before the God in glowing. And there's one in Revelations, he says, Paul, uh, Jesus said, those people that are persecuting you, I am going to grab them by the scruff of the neck and I am going to throw them at your feet and they're going to worship me right before you. Amen. That's what he says. That's on that day. And they're going to know that what you did, you did it because you were listening to God and he's going to vindicate and glorify you. They're literally going to worship God and you're going to be standing there and they're worshiping God above you. You'll be vindicated. God is a just God, and he will not let any trial, any temptation, anything come to you. If you are faithful, he will not let it fall to the ground. He didn't let Joseph fall to the ground. He didn't let David fall to the ground. He didn't let Daniel fall to the ground. He didn't even let Job fall to the ground. He didn't let Ezekiel fall to the ground. He didn't let Elijah fall to the ground. And he won't let you fall to the ground and die in vain. He will vindicate you, but you've got to keep your mouth shut. Got to put your trust in the Lord. You got to put your trust in the Lord. A man I really respect, Dan Moeller, said, you can test yourself right now by this. I didn't say it, Dan Moeller did. He's a good man to listen to. I don't agree with every preacher. You know why I don't agree with every preacher? You know why, Linda? Because they all disagree with each other. One will say this and one will say that, and I go, I better study the Bible and find out which one of these guys is telling the truth. Most of them don't err on purpose or they just disagree. They have perspectives. So I study the word myself to see what the Bible says. Anyway, he said, you'll know that you're really serving Jesus when someone absolutely attacks you and comes at you. 
You don't call your buddies up and say, oh, pray for me because Brother Ken's attacking me. When you you quit doing that and you put your trust in God, say, God, I'm trusting in you. Let them do what they're going to do. Let them say what they're going to say. I am trusting you. And if you don't vindicate me, I'm not being vindicated. And Lord, if I don't deserve to be vindicated, good, show me. Show me. I'll learn from it. If I'm wrong, I'll learn from it. I mean it. I'll learn. If I'm wrong, I'll learn from it. And he'll show me. Someone say amen. amen. I want to encourage you. I don't know if I am. I don't know if we just pass encouragement. to Be encouraged. God is for you and he's going to vindicate you when you do it his way. Okay, let me finish. This is my money verse. I had like 20 verses to preach and I'm going to get to one of them. I still say we need to take a break, get something to drink, non-alcoholic, Oduls, and then come back and do another hour. Would you do that? You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't do that, would you? you who would? Mike would. Amen. He says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those that do not obey the gospel? That's in there. And I got a bunch of scriptures. Hebrews says the Lord will judge his people. Paul says the Lord will judge his people. It's in Romans. God is a judge and that's good news for you. Because as a judge, you follow him and you work in his ways, he'll vindicate you. It will not happen often, immediately, because in the process, he's chipping away. In that process, he says, do you really love the body of Christ? Do you really love the body of Christ? Are you willing to keep your mouth quiet and not vindicate yourself? Are you willing to let me do it? You really love your family? You really love your kids? Are you willing to be quiet and let me save them? Do you really love your leaders? That's a hard one. Pray for them. Stand for righteousness and pray for them. If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls, that's their being, to Him in doing good. How? As to a faithful Creator. God's faithful. It's kind of a hard message, but it's not hard on you. God's faithful. God's for you. God's grace is going to bring you through. You can't give up. You can't buckle. You can't bend and you can't bow. The most beautiful person in the world, and don't know a lot, we're all in process, is the person that through trials and pressure that they can be sweet. When God has so worked on that person that when the pressure comes, and that's what trial is, the pressure, Eric, is to smack that word out of you, just to squeeze it out of you, just to squash you down to a bug so the word, you let go of it. Devil's pressure in that word, he wants it out of you. He's going to pressure you to let go of it. But if you in that pressure... Mikey, how are diamonds made? Pressure. 
Everything that's not a diamond is dissolved and pressurized, and all that's left is a diamond. When you respond properly, it'll change you. It's a beautiful thing to see a person that really operates in the fruit of God's Spirit. The pressure comes, and they're sweet. They're probably home crying and praying because they're in process, and they know they're not living for this temporary little globe that you'll be gone in a wisp of a wind. We've had people die in this congregation recently. Their life's over. Many, Gary and Becky, Dijon, Brother Dijon, many. They've already passed into eternity, and you're coming. Your time's coming. Why live for this world? God will be good to you in this world and even more in the next. Amen. So here's my question. How are we doing out there under the pressure? I want to ask an honest question. It's not an altar call. At this point, how many of you have felt that pressure? I cannot be the only one. I know. I can't be. I've felt the pressure. I feel it all the time. The world trying to pressurize. And it's all different. Uh, uh, Peter said, James said, don't be amazed at all these trials. Like something strange is happening. You're born to it. Paul says you're born to it. You're born to the trial as much as you're born to the victory. You never know a champion until he goes through the trials. They just had the Boston Marathon. They had to run 26.2 miles to see who was going to endure and win that race. And it wasn't Kipchoge. Amen? Run the whole race. Lord, where should I take this? If you need prayer, let, let's all pray together. Here's what we're going to do. Well, I, I want to do this first. Everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. If you don't want to bow your head, that's fine. But if you don't know the Lord and you want me to pray for you, to lead you to the Lord today through a simple prayer, you want to receive the grace and mercy of God, and you want to follow Jesus, can I see your hand? I, I want to make...